Well, good morning, New Hope Church. So glad that you could be with us this morning. Want to just say welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the TNT Devotionals. It's a Tuesday morning here. I can't tell if the weather's going to be good or not because it is doing the typical Houston thing over the past few weeks. Uh, it's bright outside, then sud- suddenly cloudy, and then bright, and then it rains while it's still bright. And so not sure what's in store for us today, but glad you're with us here this morning. And uh, I hope that these TNT devotionals have been just a blessing for you and for your family as you've been uh, able to join us as we dive into the scriptures and looking at some of the parables here recently that Jesus has told uh, these earthly stories uh, with heavenly meanings. And today we're going to be in Luke chapter 12. So if you would go ahead and open up there, Luke chapter 12. Uh, My name is Matt. Uh, While you're turning out a little bit about me, my name's Matt. I actually just turned 29. Uh, which uh, every year just sounds older and older, but I'm not 30 yet, even though a lot of the students that I get to work with try to call me 30. I am not 30. I'm 29, but uh, this morning had one of those things where woke up, got ready, looked in the mirror, and I don't, somewhere over here, that's not a bald spot, I promise, Uh, but somewhere over here is a gray hair, Uh, which uh, I don't know what to think about that. I don't know if that's like a real thing or if that's just a temporary thing, but uh, I found it. There was one here, and I was like, I'm 29. I don't think that gray hair needs to be here yet. But, you know, the Bible just says it's a sign of wisdom, so I'll just take it it as that. So, uh, like I said, my name's Matt. Um, I serve as one of our student pastors at the Friendswood campus, and, uh, man, I'll just say this, that we get some really, really cool things going on uh, in the life of our church uh, we've got life groups. You got family fun week. That uh, signups, I think, are just kind of wrapping up there. Uh, we got summer kickoff in the student ministry. We've got camps going on with NHK and NH students. Uh, we got 21 days of prayer coming up. We got the relaunch. We got to hear about how we're sending proclaimers to the BDBD people. We got new campuses coming up next year. We got all the things that are happening. Uh, really excited. Really, really excited for uh, all that God has for us. And so um, what a blessing. What a blessing it is to be a part of New Hope Church. And I hope um, that if maybe you're just starting to dabble a little bit into watching us online, um, that you're really getting to see kind of what we're about, that we're all about knowing Christ um, and making him known. And so I just want to thank all of you uh, who watch this, who make it possible for us to do what we do. Um, And I think it's cool. Our church is so, so generous. Uh, And it's been really cool to see us kind of rally together as a church, as the people of God, to get through things like COVID and ice storms and uh, moving together uh, forward towards the same mission of knowing Christ and making him known. Uh, Growing up, growing up, I loved watching movies, and so you'll hear me reference a few movies today. Uh, And if you would, in the chat, uh, you could go ahead and let us know what's your favorite movie, what's your favorite movie, or really, let's, let's do this. Because I feel like maybe you're like me, and my favorite movie changes all the time. What was one of you, one of your favorite movies growing up as a kid? Um, my poor stepdad, um, when he met my mom, I was probably like three, four. I loved the movie Casper. Um, the It's like a real-life movie, but it has like an animated Casper and the ghosts or, or something. And apparently I used to make him watch that with me over and over and over and over again. And some of you who have kids... You probably uh, can think of the movies that they have wanted to watch over 
and over and over and over again. I think of Pastor Carl, he's told us um, on our student team how his daughter Eliza has watched Frozen probably a million times uh, since she's been born because she just always, always, always wants to watch Elsa. So uh, let us know what's your favorite movie, one of your favorite movies uh, that you watched growing up. One of mine, uh, I guess I was a little bit older, but was uh, Spider-Man. And now I know nowadays, right, there's probably been 10 or so or whatever Spider-Man movies. Uh, but what I'm talking about is, to me, my OG one, which would be uh, like the first one with Tobey Maguire. Uh, that's, at least for me, my OG Spider-Man movie. And uh, it's the one with Uncle Ben and he dies and it kind of rallies Peter Parker to, to be Spider-Man and to be a superhero and things. And uh, right before... It's kind of their last encounter with Uncle Ben and Peter Parker. And uh, Ben says this you know, famous phrase uh, that we all kind of have heard probably plenty of times. Uh, it's, with great power comes great responsibility. And that phrase uh, kind of sticks with Peter Parker throughout the movie as he turns into Spider-Man. And really what Ben is saying is that because uh, of really with any accumulation of wealth or respect or influence, uh, one is in a position to use those resources to either benefit society as a whole in a positive way, in a good way, or to benefit themselves, which is often at the expense of others. And, and it makes sense too, right? Because at this point in the movie, we know that Peter Parker uh, has the Spider-Man powers and he has a choice. He has a choice whether or not he wants to use them for good or for personal gain to get revenge or uh, to put others down. And we see that he's kind of conflicted throughout the movie with that. And I think that there's a little bit of truth to what Ben is saying in, in that movie. I think there's a little bit of truth of the phrase, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. And in today's parable, we'll see that Jesus gives a very similar sentiment here. Uh, Luke 12, 32 tells us that Jesus is speaking, saying, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. And now we have all been graciously, those who have accepted Christ, been graciously given salvation and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and given the kingdom. And so the question now becomes, like, what will we do with it? We've been given these gifts, these abilities, these passions, We've been made in the image of God. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. God has blessed us. Now, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with all that that God has given us? How, how will we steward those things? And that's going to be the question that we wrestle with a little bit today in this parable. And so that's where we're going to be. Luke 12, 32 through the end of most of the chapter, closer to about 48 uh, is where we'll be. So we're going to be looking at that parable there. And so if you haven't already turned there, you can go ahead and turn there, grab a Bible, uh, and we'll look. It says, uh, we'll just kind of read it, break it down a little bit, and then move on. So verse 32, it says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, this 
uh, is a phrase, right? Y'all, you've probably heard that last part where it says, uh, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, we've, we've probably heard that before. Um, it's, uh, it's funny. One of the famous sayings in the Sermon on the Mount is pretty much all of the Sermon on the Mount, but it's one of his phrases from the Sermon on the Mount, and you can read that in Matthew chapter 6 is where he says, uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And it's probably one of the most revealing statements I think that he makes. It's a very uh, gut punch statement that Jesus makes. And again, another movie that it reminds me of. Uh, I loved Spider-Man growing up. I also loved Pirates of the Caribbean. And uh, I love Jack Sparrow, Captain Jack Sparrow. And uh, really enjoyed those movies. Soundtrack is killer. It's iconic now. You know, I think Disney has like Pirates of the Caribbean rides and things. So uh, I, I loved Pirates of the Caribbean. And in the first movie, uh, we know Jack Sparrow is one of the main characters. He has a, a gun with one bullet in it um, that hasn't been shot. And he has a compass. And those are kind of things that he always has on him. Those things are very valuable to him, very important to him. Uh, his compass was really unique, though, right? Like, it, it wasn't really a real compass, in a sense, because uh, it didn't point north, which is, like, a compass's whole entire, like, purpose uh, is to just point north. It doesn't really point other directions. It just points north when it's facing north. Um, and so, really, I guess, when it's facing anywhere. And so, throughout the movie, he's mocked as a pirate. He's not really taken seriously. He's the pirate who carries around a broken compass for no reason. And everyone knows that a compass is supposed to do one thing. It's supposed to point north. And um, if you have a compass that doesn't point north, uh, it really isn't useful for much, maybe besides, uh, like, decoration or something. But what we later learn, uh, learn in the movie is uh, that the compass is revealed to really just be a unique tool that's used by him. And uh, it, it's not supposed to point north. It's supposed to point in the direction of what the holder wants most. And so at times in the movie, the, the compass may uh, point to a particular person or to the location of treasure or a certain item, and that's because whoever's holding it, it will change according to whoever's holding it to reveal what they want the most. Now think for a second. If that compass was real and you got to hold it in your hand, where would it point? Would it point to a certain... Um, reputation or social status you wish to achieve, a, a certain sense of approval from your peers or coworkers? Would it, would it point to that? Would it point to uh, a certain job that you've been just working so hard for? Would it point to your kids or sports or things you're involved in, a hobby? Would it point to your family? Or would it point to the true north, Jesus? And a word of caution that's given by Jesus by saying, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As he's, he's, in a sense, warning us, hey, don't value good things above the greatest thing. Because there's, there's nothing wrong, right? You, you can pursue success and make money and be liked, and those aren't bad things. They're, they're, that's totally fine to, to do those things, to be successful, do things with excellence, to make money and support your family, and to be well-liked and well-known. Those are fine. Those aren't, those aren't bad. They're good. But... It is when we value creation above creator, that's when we tend to get in trouble. And Jesus tells us that where your treasure is, uh, that's where your heart is going to be also. And that kind of almost serves as a reality check for us, that our heart is very revealing about what we care about most. 
And so we have to examine our hearts to see if we are truly treasuring him above all else. So uh, Jesus leads with this. He, he kind of leads with this idea like, hey, uh, where are you spending all your time, energy, and effort? Because that's where your heart is. And if your heart isn't with Jesus first and foremost, then, then all the other things aren't really going to line up and be the way that they need to be in the order they need to be in. And we have, to, we have to get this right. We have to get the Jesus thing right first. Uh, he has to be first. He wants to be first. And Jesus being first in your life is actually the best thing for you. It's actually God's will for you. It's, it's God's best plan for you is that Jesus be always first in your life. And what a, what a beautiful, gracious gift that he's given us, not just with salvation, but that he's given us a true north to follow, a direction to go. I don't have to wonder which direction do I go here or here or here. Man, my direction is always to go towards Jesus and to be like Jesus. That's got to be the default there. And it naturally isn't because we're sinful. And so thank God for the Holy Spirit who empowers us and enables us to do so. And so we value Jesus above all things, right? That's, that's where we're starting. We prioritize him above all things. Uh, he's pleased to give us the kingdom, to save and empower us. And so now what? Now what do we do? And Jesus, I think, in, in the, the parable here gives us a quick uh, word. Uh, verse 35 is where we'll be right here. So just write down. We just read 32 through 34. 34, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Verse 35, it says, Be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning. And keep them burning like servants, waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. So Jesus is telling his followers here, be ready for service the same way that a servant is ready for their master to get home. And I love the way really that the ESV, so I just read out of the NIV, I love the way that the ESV says it. It says, stay dressed for action. So NIV will we'll say this, like be be dressed, ready for service. ESV will say, be dressed for action. Uh, I think there's, in the King James and some other translations, it, it talks about like girding your loins. And, and it's this idea, right, of girding, girding your loins. Is <laughs> that, um, you know, think about the tunics that what they would wear, right? It's like a man dress. And uh, they didn't have pant legs. They just, it was just one, like a dress almost. And what they would do is they would need to pull it up and tie it so their legs would be more free to run. So if you're ready to go run or to go hunt or to go do something and you're not going with your tunic all the way down to your ankles, you're going to hike that thing up and you're going to tie it up and you're like, you're ready to work, you're ready to go. And that's kind of the, the idea that Jesus is getting at here is to stay dressed for action, to stay ready for service. So I think there's a few things that we kind of learn here as Jesus is asking his followers to be like servants who are awaiting their master to come home from a banquet, to just always be ready. I think the first thing is that, man, we have work to do. Uh, yes, we have work to do on ourselves. I, I think we all get that. I think we all understand we're works in progress, and there's no one that's perfect but Jesus. And so I think we get that. When I say we have work to do, uh, I'm, I'm saying that the people of God have a mission to know Christ and make him known, and it is much, much, much bigger and much, much, much more than just a saying of our church, to know Christ and make him known. That, it, that is the task of believers, regardless of the church or the location they live in. And man, we know Christ. We just talked about that. Like we want to value him above all things. And, and that's why that part has to come first before anything else. And, and we want to then, when we know him and experienced him and tasted and seen that God is good, then we want to make him known. And I think that even looks like a few different things. I think it can, 
look like consistently sharing the gospel with people on a consistent basis. I think it can look like choosing to lift up those around you at work. I think that it can look, it can look like being patient with your kids, uh, even when they're driving you bonkers. I think it can look like leveraging your business or platform for kingdom purposes. I think it can look like caring for those who have much, much, much less than you. I think it can look like forgiving those, the supernatural forgiveness to those who have hurt you. I mean, 2 Corinthians tells us that God has entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. And so we have a task and a responsibility to be a light in this dark world. And here's the good news about that. Uh, We aren't alone. We don't do it alone. We don't do it by ourselves, Uh, which leads me into the second thing I think we see is the power to do that work comes from God, not from us. So we have work to do. The power to do that work doesn't come from me. It comes from the Lord and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And we just spent like six weeks talking about what it means to be a witnesses or to be a witness in our series. We are witnesses. And I think that we, we've understood, right, the power of the Holy Spirit in us to be a witness and enables us to do the things that God has called us to do. And so we've called, been called as a church, New Hope Church, just as the people of God collectively, to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we've got work to do, and the Holy Spirit helps us do that work. That God has told us what to do, and he's given us all we need to do that thing. And without the Holy Spirit's help, uh, I'm a lost cause. I'm a lost cause. You think I want to forgive people naturally? You think I want to be patient with people naturally? You think that I naturally want to serve people? No chance, no chance, no way. No way. I I don't want to do that. I'm selfish. But the things that I'm able to do and that we are able to do is God working through us so that we can accomplish those things. It's God enabling us and empowering us to do those things so that we can do them. So we have work to do. And we don't do it alone. And then the last thing is that we have to stay ready. You got to stay ready. Jesus said, stay dressed for action. There's a saying, uh, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. So if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. And and so my coaches used to always say this and it's in a couple songs. And, you know, I think a lot of people say Will Smith said it and things. But if you stay ready, you, you ain't got to get ready. And this, this idea, right, is my coaches used to always tell me this. I remember my sophomore year in high school, I remember getting called up uh, to varsity. I, was, I played baseball and football, and this, so in baseball, I, I remember I'm a sophomore. I'm at a new school because we opened up a new school. And uh, I remember my coach, head coach, calls me up to be in varsity. And I'm like, man, I'm a sophomore. I love it. Um, now, don't be fooled. It wasn't because I'm some sort of or was some sort of young prodigy ball player ready to dominate. Um, Really, I was the outfielder who was hustling, and the coach wanted to then send a message to the uh, starter on varsity. So he sent a message by demoting him, even though he was much better than I was, uh, because he was being lazy, and he uh, promoted me to varsity because... I was, you know, working hard and hustling and running on the field and he was walking and he was just making, making a show and making, the coach was making a show and making a big deal about how he wants his players and his team to be ones who hustle. Like, look at Matt, he hustles. And I'm like, I, 
I guess. Um, wasn't very good, uh, at least wasn't uh, some prodigy that needed to be on varsity as a sophomore. But, you know, I was on varsity and for, for, for a brief bit. Did get put back on JV. But I was on varsity for that little bit, and uh, we had a tournament right before district starts. That's kind of a normal baseball thing, right? So this is February or so. We got a, we got a district tournament coming up. Uh, not district tournament, non-district tournament coming up, and we're playing. And like I said, I was no prodigy. Uh, I was used by the coach to send a message. Uh, and so I sat on the bench. And one thing my coach, though, would always say, every game, there's about three of us that always sat on the bench. We didn't really play in that tournament a whole lot. He just would always say, stay ready. Stay ready. Stay ready. Hey, Matt, stay ready. And I don't know uh, when I was there. I didn't really know if I was going to play. Uh, but I did know that I had to show up as if I was going to be put in. Uh, I had to always be ready. And that means I had to watch the game uh, and see what was going on. It means I had to maintain a good attitude. I had to be engaged and talk about the game. I had to stay loose, I had to warm up. I actually had to loosen up and warm up. I had to jog in between innings. I had to do all these things because really technically I could go in at any time. Now imagine, imagine if I went to that tournament knowing that the chances of me playing were very slim and so I decided to not wear my jersey, decided to have a bad attitude, uh, decided to just sit on my phone instead of cheering on my team. I'd look foolish. I wouldn't be ready. Coach calls me, I'm not wearing a jersey, I'm not ready to play. Oh, hold on coach, I gotta get ready. He calls me, he calls me in to play, but I, I don't have cleats on, I'm not, I'm not loose, I haven't thrown. Hold on, hold on coach, give me like 10 minutes, I'll, get, I'll be ready in about 10 minutes, give me, let me get ready. He's gonna say, I, I didn't got 10 minutes for you, bud. Sorry. And, and I wouldn't have been ready, but if you stay ready, you ain't gotta get ready. And Jesus is making this point. Now, we have a mission as a church, right, as a people of God, to know Christ and make him known. And he is coming back one day. Pastor Cole talked about that on Thursday, how Jesus is returning to us. He's going to come back for his people, for his bride, one day. I don't know what it is, but I want to be ready. And so are we ready? Are we ready to do what he's called us to do? Are we ready and dressed for action? Are we ready and dressed to show grace? Are we ready and dressed to be patient? Are we dressed and ready to give an answer for the hope that we have? When someone notices we're different, are we ready to give them a reason why we're different? And if not, then here's some things that we can do. First and foremost, and you hear anyone who teaches anything ever at this church, which praise God that we're going to tell you this, they're going to tell you, you want to grow in your faith, you want to be prepared, you want to be ready, spend time in the Word of God. Spend time in the Word of God, plain and simple. Like there, there's few things that will impact your life the way that reading your Bible will. And when it comes to your faith, this thing right here, reading this, digging into this is going to help you grow like no other. So spend time in the Word of God. You want to get ready, you want to be dressed ready for action, spend time in the Word of God. Uh, second is... Man, seek help from the Holy Spirit through prayer and through godly community. Man, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to admit, hey, I'm not ready. I want to be. I'm not. Help me. God, help me. I need your help. This person, this person, my life group, this, this person I sit by at church, this pastor, 
this, this, this volunteer that I know is, is, loves the Lord, man, ask for help. Ask for help. Ask for help. We want to help equip you to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. And God wants that too. You think that God's not going to answer a prayer where you ask him, hey, God, I need help being more like your son Jesus to carry out your mission. Man, that's what he wants for you. I think another thing we can do to stay ready is to show up to church early if you can. And this is coming from someone who is notoriously late to everything. I'd probably make any production person here um, very nervous when I do TNT devotionals because I'm always scared I'm going to be late. Um, always been a late person, but I can tell you this, that when you're early and in the times that I've been early, you just gain so much more because you're prepared for what's about to happen. So like this, right? If I show up early to church, um, if I get there just a little bit early, I'm able to have my heart, one, I'm, I'm on time and so I'm able to be engaged the entire service as opposed to if I'm late, then, then I'm missing out on some things. And so just, just the thing is, is if you want to stay ready, then sh just try to show up early if you can. And there's no hidden agenda here. I'm, this isn't a, man, we should be here on time. No, this is legit. Think about things where you have been late to something and suffered because of it versus when you were early to something and were able to gain more from whatever it is that you were early to. I think it's a real thing. I think it's a real thing. And I get it. You're bringing five kids, got to check them in, all that. I, I, I understand that. You are not any less or more of a person or Jesus, he loves you as you are. Uh, and so whether you're early or late, it's not a matter of uh, you're better or worse. I'm just a, a word from that has been helpful for me is that when I'm early to something, I'm able to be more engaged in that thing. And so try to maybe show up early to church if you can, if possible. Uh, the last thing maybe here is that you can soak in the resources. If you want to stay ready, soak up the resources that are available to you, like TNT devotionals, podcasts, sermons. Worship music, all these things that are available to us. We live in, a, in an age where everything is accessible. And so we can take in as much as we choose to take in. If we're not taking in, if we're not actively listening to things and, and being engaged in, in learning and things like that, that's our choice um, because it's available. It's available, it's free, it's there. And so we got to take advantage of that as a church. And so here's... Jesus' warning, though, in verse 47, says this. It says, uh, The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready. They know to get ready, but they don't get ready. They don't stay ready. And does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. But here's the, here's the main one, right? From everyone who has been given much much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And God has given us blessing after blessing after blessing. 
He has given us all that we need to do his will. The question is, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with our gifts and abilities? What are we going to do with our finances? What are we going to do with our influence and platforms? With great power comes great responsibility. With great influence comes great responsibility. With great gifting comes great responsibility. We're called to be stewards. Let's be great stewards of all that God has given to us. Now let's pray together. God, you're gracious and good to us. Uh, you give us far, 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 far more than we deserve. And I pray, God, that what time we have left here, we'd make great use of it, that we would um, be great stewards of all that you've given us, not just our money, but our time, our energy, our resources, knowing that where we spend those things, it reveals where our heart is, what we treasure most. And I pray, God, that that would be you, that we would just be people who are all about Jesus, about knowing Christ and making him known. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, your family, love y'all. We'll see you Thursday. Have a great week.